Undercover Capes Podcast Network presents... Welcome to Real Roundup! Yeehaw! Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Real Romance. I am your host, Robert, also known as Bamping Bob, and here with me as always is my lovely wife, Brittany. Hi! This is another episode of the uh, Real Roundup. So full disclosure, we are both sick. We think we have some kind of cold or something. My voice is going in and out. But not the COVID. We've had the COVID. This ain't it. We've been quarantined in the house for a couple of days because we've been sick. We delayed recording because we're like, oh, we'll feel better tomorrow. Oh, we'll feel better tomorrow. Well, no, tomorrow never came. Right. So here we are. But we're still going to put out this episode. So we um, watched a few movies. Most of them were actually at the theaters, right? Yeah, we half of them. And right now in, in today's... Cinema drought. Yeah, it's actually really surprising that we were able to go see three new movies in theaters and only three at home. The first one we saw in theaters was Tom and Jerry. Right. And for those of you who are too young or sheltered to know, Tom and Jerry is about a cartoon cat named Tom and a mouse named Jerry, also a cartoon, uh, back in the day, like old. Everybody knows who Tom and Jerry is. Anyway, They're so, like the Looney Tunes. So they made a live-action Tom and Jerry. Now, Tom and Jerry are not live-action. In fact, all of the animals in this were cartoons. Right, and so they have live-action settings, live-action people, live-action cars, but all of the animals specifically are animated. I think that was a good choice. Yeah, I like it because there's nothing weirder than seeing like a, a cartoon dog next to a real, real dog. dog. It's very odd. It would have been weird if Tom and Jerry were the only cartoon animals in the whole thing. Yeah. It's kind of like an alternative universe where humans are real, but all the animals are cartoons, and I kind of liked it. So basically, Jerry is in the market for a house, and he sets up at this fancy hotel where Colin Jost and his wife... To be. Priyanka, I don't know her last name. Yeah. Jonas. uh, (laughs) Are getting married... And meanwhile, this other girl is trying to get a job because she just got fired from her, like, what is it, like a, like a go-rabbit job? Yeah, kind of like, no, she's she's definitely a gig economy type. Like, she can't really hold down anything, like, for a long while. And so she ends up, like, sneaking her way into this hotel and stealing a job away from someone who deserves it by, like... Literally, kind she of stole like, their resume. Yeah, she tears the name off of it. She's like, yeah, that's totally me, haha. <laughs> And because it's a kids movie, they didn't like check reference it. They didn't do anything. They just hired her because well, it's supposed to be like a temp job. Yeah, so they're pretty desperate. She's played by Chloe, mm-hmm. right? C- Chloe Grace Moretz. That's the one. They've got a mouse. How do I know that name? But I can never remember any other name. I don't know. So they've got a mouse problem. They're trying to get rid of Jerry. Tom keeps trying to ruin her life, basically. And she's like, "Look, if we use this cat to catch this mouse." Then we don't have to call in pest control and make everybody all paranoid. And that the secret's the not going to get out. Yeah. The problem is that a pest control guy would have been much more discreet. Let's be honest. Except they do almost take care of the problem. Yeah. But then uh, Michael Penna's character, who got fired because he was Looney Tunes, he convinced Tom and Jerry that they should be enemies again after Chloe's character convinced them they should be friends. And they ruined the entire wedding. And everything went to hell, and it was awful. But at least I got the van. There's a really fun supporting cast in this. It's obviously a kid's movie, so the jokes are pretty uh, pretty corny. 
But what did you think of the animation style? Because often these whole live-action animated crossovers can be a little uh, forced. I liked it. I thought it was an excellent choice to make the cartoons pretty much look exactly the same as they look mm-hmm. in the cartoon. And, like, we had some classic Tom and Jerry characters. Like Spike! And that cat, the female cat. Mm-hmm. I don't know her name. No, because uh, anybody who knows the old cartoons, like, there's a gang of alley cats that show up several times to kind of beat up Tom, and they also make an appearance. It It's really fun to kind of see the animation shine through. Personally... It was a lot of the gags that they recycled from the old stuff, but that's what people liked about it, right? Yeah, I think it's a great way to introduce kids to Tom and Jerry. Overall, I can't complain. There was nothing extraordinary about this movie, but it it was a decent movie. It was cute. It was funny. Yeah. Would I watch it again? Maybe if it was on. No. It's good for kids. It's, It's a good kids movie, but there's nothing of substance, really. And you're right. If it was on, I might just watch it in the background for, you know, fun. The next movie was a sequel to to All the Boys I Loved Before. It's, it's the a, third movie. It's the trilogy. It's the last movie. Right. It's called For Always and Forever. And basically, if you remember, at the end of the last movie, Laura Jean and Peter were back together. Aw. And now they're planning their future. Yeah. She got into Stanford, and she really wanted to go there, but she did not get in. But she got into a lot of colleges... Including one that's like in New 30 York. minutes away. And they had taken a... But they she also finds out she gets into one in New York. Right. Which they had taken a class trip to New York, which was crazy because they live in California. So they fly them all the way across the country to New York for n- no real reason. And Peter and Laura Jean are different last names, so they don't really get to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, because schools and their stupid arbitrary rules about how to group people. And so basically, when Laura Jean falls in love with New York, and then she finds out she got in, she's like, what do I do? Because I want to go to the New York school, but I also want to stay with Peter. And she's kind of torn between her future and her future. Like, which future does she want? Does she want to stick with the boy that she fell in love with in high school? Or does she want a future where she can make a good career writing, creative writing? She wants to be a a journalist, I think. Yeah, and so she's like, well, do I do I make a career of myself being a writer, or do I fall in love? And I mean, she can still go to college, and she can still do those things, but... But the New York school has such an excellent writing program. Yeah, because, and it has a reputation. Well, and a lot of writers live in New York, so they have a lot of guest speakers that come. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you can network, and right. there, there's a lot of advantages to it that she wouldn't have had in California. And essentially, they get into a big fight... They break up right after prom, and it's really sad. And meanwhile, her dad is getting married. Which is nice. I know, it's sweet. And then there's all this romantic stuff. Her little sister has her first boyfriend. And apparently her sister hid the New York, like, acceptance letter because she didn't want Laura Jean and Peter to break up. Yeah. She's such a, she's such a, um... Hopeless romantic, isn't she? She's so sweet. Yeah. The whole movie was really sweet uh, on a whole. Like, it was kind of unrealistic because, let's be honest, even though Laura Jean and Peter said they're going to make it work. They ain't going to make it work. Probably not. Long distance not is from, hard. Not from New York to California for four years. No, I can't, I can't vouch for the fact that, you know, starting together and then going long distance. But we started long distance. Yeah. Then we worked together for a short while. But really, like, can you imagine, like, spending a good while with somebody and then being like, okay, I'll see you in four years. 
To me, it seems like the smartest thing for them to do... I know that Peter got his, like, scholarship or whatever, but couldn't he try to get a new scholarship in New York? Like, that seems like the smartest thing to well, do. Well, um, it's just dream school. He didn't want to give up Stanford. Is it? I think he just didn't want to give up his full ride. Mm, that's true. If he could get a full ride to a school closer to Laura Jean, wouldn't that be ideal? But overall, it was a really cute movie. It was a good way to end the trilogy. And it was, it wrapped up rather nicely. Alright, so of the three in the series, which was the most romantic? Let me say, I think number two was the most romantic. Same. Because there was all this stuff with, uh... John Ambrose. Yeah, that's his name. And that was cute. But then at the end, Peter really showed that he remembered what she liked. Even though Peter should have told her that his ex-girlfriend was a trifling hoe. Peter is a dumbass. I... 100% ship Laura Jean and Peter. I think they're a great couple. But Peter is a dumbass. So, I mean, so you like number two the best too? Yeah, I think that was the most romantic. Let's move on to a movie that's not nearly as romantic and not quite as new, but still fairly new. It's a movie on Hulu called Spree. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It stars the guy from Stranger Things. Yep. Uh, He plays Steve. Mm Mm-hmm. His name starts with a J, but I don't remember it. It's Joe Curie. Why did you make a face then if you knew his name then? I needed to know it started with a J. But you act like I was lying when I said it started with a J. I had had to access my mental data bank. That's why you stalled out. Yeah, I went... Y'all can't hear it, but I cut 20 minutes of him going... You okay? No. So, Spree is all about... It's like an app like Uber or Lyft. But it's called Spree. And Joe goes around and he he drives people, but his calling in life is to be a social media star. His imaginary calling. Yeah. It ain't he, working so well No, for him. he is bad. It's been ten years. Mm-hmm. And, but he loves making videos and putting out content, and he gets next to no feedback from anybody. I could kind of relate to this. Shout out to all my uh, loyal listeners out there. <clears throat> but we do not do and have no plans to do what Joe... No, because he wanted to go... Oh, his name was Kurt in the show. Because mm-hmm. it's Kurt's world. And he... I guess it's not really like that. That's Wayne's world. <laughs> Kurt's world. Excellent. <laughs> I'm just trying to mix all the movies together. You really are. A guy he used to babysit is, like, really big on, like, a Twitch equivalent. And you might recognize this guy from his work on Vine. Mm -hmm. I'm 19, and I never fucking learned how to read. Yeah, that guy. And he is very popular. He has a following. And so Kurt's always trying to, like, jump into his stuff, being like, Hey, we're we're equals! And the dude's like, No, we're not. Just just stop trying. (laughs) And on a side note, how upset do you think that guy is that he was in a movie and I just referred to him as the guy who made vines that said I never fucking learned how to read? Hey, everyone <laughs> everyone starts somewhere. <laughs> but he's like, I'm finally making it. And then there's just people on podcasts. Hi, I'm a vine kid. So he wants viewers. And so he sets up like, what is it, like eight cameras in his car. It, well, there's two on each side and one in the back. One in the front, and then his phone. So and, th- yeah, and dash cam, too. Yeah, that's the Oh, that's the one in the front. Okay. So, he sets up all these cameras, and he's like, I'm going to film my spree, you know, rides throughout the day. But it's not a normal trip. He has 
previously, it's called The Lesson. Hashtag The Lesson. Hashtag The Lesson. And he basically put these water bottles that are full of some mystery substance that kills people. Yeah. I like that they made it more ambiguous so that people couldn't try it at home. That's mm-hmm. probably a, a They're good... They're like... But he puts it in the syringe and just, like, shoots it in on the label so you can't really see it. He's a little hot glue dot to kind of just seal Cover it, it up. off. Yeah. And it works for him. And so he goes and he ends up poisoning these people. And then he goes and dumps the bodies. And then he ends up picking up a real life comedian like someone who's kind of gained some traction she's a little bit more popular she's got a lot of followers yeah and uh there's actually two snl cast mates on this one it's kyle mooney and uh how do you say her name shahir zamata i think i'm sorry if i said it wrong i don't know you didn't even say it you let me butcher it but she plays an up-and-coming comedian they're all on camera and she ends up being in a group ride with a guy who's a real prick she ends up getting out and he is, you know, throwing around all sorts of slurs and saying, yeah, you know. Yeah, because she won't go home with him. And saying, you know, he's going to kill him and all this stuff. And so, Kurt just straight up runs him over with his car. Like, blood all over the hood, windshield, now the, everything. The comedian has since gotten out and does not see any of this. Right. So, she's she's in the clear. He goes around and he's still trying to create content. And it gets crazier and crazier. He picks up some drunk people and ends up like driving them through a junkyard can i say the most unrealistic part about this is that his battery didn't die he because he starts and it's like mid-morning or something yeah and by the end it's like, like at 31 percent or something when it's like 3 a.m yeah i'm like damn you i mean i know you got a charging cord but you got some good ass battery yeah but he's really jaded and really broken and has a lot of mental problems and the movie was sad and funny and, like, creepy all at the same time. Yeah. Because it was really just kind of a commentary on society as a whole and how we're all just, like, clicks and likes and... and yeah, he was so starved for attention and it, it, he put all his self-worth into his into followers. That. And it was sad. Yeah. But I liked it a lot. I thought he did an excellent job. I thought it was an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good as a kind of a horror movie, but it's not really... T- it's not scary. It's just kind of gory. And there's not really that much blood until towards the end. And even a lot of the violence is off-screen implied violence. Yeah. It's like gore meets humor, for sure. But I liked it. It was a great movie. You're looking for something to watch on a Friday night, turn it on, it's pretty good. The next movie we're going to talk about is Justice League. Now, we're only going to touch on this briefly because Sunday, the Comic Crusaders are going to do a huge... Yeah, a lot of people from uh, Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes were going to get together and talk about the Justice League movie... So, we're not going to go too much in depth here. It's mostly going to be generalizations, right? Right, just kind of our general feelings, just mm-hmm. some general commentary on the movie. So, we ended up watching it in two parts because four hours is just too fucking long to sit through a movie, first of all. Who got that time? Nobody. Especially for this. Like, you'd have to, like, have scheduled bathroom breaks and everything else. I'll just premise it with this. Robert liked it, and I didn't. You go into Justice League, you're like, shit, four hours for a movie that we've already sort of seen. But I wanted to see what everyone was clamoring for. The whole, you know, release the Snyder Cut for years and years. They've been trying and trying and they'd said, we have to, have to see it. So I was curious. I really wanted to know how it was. I still ain't seen it because it was so dark. (laughs) That is one thing. Zack Snyder loves his filters. Like, turn on the lights. Hashtag no filter to Zack Snyder. 
Invest in some LEDs or like some fluorescents or something. Like for real. Like Batman is rich AF and he ain't got no lights in his Batcave. No, he's the Dark Knight. He's Batman. He doesn't need lights. Superman, he might need lights. Batman ain't never seen a color he liked in his whole life. Black or dark gray, right? <laughs> so differences between the original and this one, aside from the length, what would you say are the main differences between the Whedon cut and the Snyder cut? The main differences are we do get a little bit more exposition on, on Cyborg and Barry Allen, and mm-hmm. we do see some more of the mascara and like their true sacrifice trying to protect that box. Yeah. They don't really touch too much on Atlantis. They... That one was kept pretty, uh... Because at that, when they were making the short. movie, they knew that they were going to get an Aquaman, an Aquaman movie. Right. So they were trying to keep it all secret. See, my, the main difference for me, like, aside from, like, tonally what Zack Snyder was doing, is that he had this whole multi-movie plan. He wanted to make sure that you built up to this big dark side war and, you know, a big giant showdown with a big extended cast. And because they weren't able to do that, they threw Darkseid into this one. So in the original, you just had Steppenwolf. And they don't mention Darkseid anywhere, ever. It's, right. it's just Steppenwolf. Because they thought if this one worked, then you could work up to Darkseid. This one was like, nah. If we're not going to go all the way, then we should at least give the fans what they want. So we got Darkseid. We got some minions. We got... What was the the, the sheath the cod something like that? There was a a intermediate minion of oh, dark side yeah. who kind of did some of the talking. I don't know. I couldn't tell the difference. They look the same. They do look the same on that like weird pillar thing, but building into the extended universe rather than just focusing on the one villain makes it look like there's a grander scope to things. Much like the Avengers even started teasing Thanos as early as the Avengers. Right. Right. Like. It tells you that there is more to come. Only on this particular point, there is not more to come. This is it. This is what we're getting. Like, I didn't care about anybody. Like, none of these characters were like, oh my god, what if they die? What if something happens? I didn't care. I didn't care about any of them. Nobody. No. Like, if they had all died, I would have been like, wow... That sucks. Like, I didn't feel like there was any real stakes in this movie, even though there were supposed to be, like, the whole world was ending and whatnot, but a lot of it didn't make any sense, and I felt like you needed so much backstory. Like, okay, if you go in, you've never seen a Marvel movie, and you watch Avengers, just the first one, okay, because that's what we're we're comparing this to, you can understand most of what's going on. Right, because they give you enough. You're like, all right, on. this dude Loki, he got this little scepter, and he's trying to, and he took the box, and he's trying to take over the world for these giant things, right? Oh, yeah. Like that, and then the these other super peoples are going to try to stop him because that would be bad, okay? Like, clearly. Like, that's very understandable. Mm-hmm. I understand exactly what's happening. Here's what I, here's a list, a, a short list of things I didn't understand. What do the boxes do? I don't, they rearrange matter, but why? How? Where do they come from? What are they for? Okay, like, I don't understand how they work. They don't make any sense. How do you forget the one planet that defeated you? True. You'd probably put that in your list of things to remember, right? Also, you know that they're the ones that defeated you because they have the boxes. How else would the boxes get there if they're not the one that defeated you? They literally have all of them. It's not like they were like, hmm, you know, this would be a good idea. We just defeated... 
this crazy dude, let's hide the boxes on different planets. No, they hid them all on the same planet. What are the odds that that's a different planet than the one you were defeated on? Right. That's a dumb idea. What does Batman be doing? He no. brought them together? Yeah, no. Th- so he Nick Fury, but like... But he's also trying to fight with Thor and Captain America. Like, like imagine mm. if Nick Fury was like, let me go out there and fight the Hulk. It's like, you're old and you're slow. Just stop trying. Even Nick Fury can see that, and he only got one eye. Also, Superman is OP, right? Like I like that he's it, OP. It's like they're struggling. Even though they're super powered, they're struggling to take out this one dude, Steppenwolf. And then Superman shows up, and he's like, one-man job. Y'all can go get ice cream. Like, also, number four thing I don't understand. Okay, Barry works like a billion jobs to pay for his food addiction because he burns a lot of calories. Mm-hmm. But he's got all that fancy tech and is able to build that suit himself. Yeah. I know tech is expensive. I'm trying to buy these LED lights and, like, finding the right stuff is expensive. I see your point. These are things that needed set. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's bad, like, some of the stuff is bad in it. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that I'm like, I, I don't understand. And it's not just things like, oh, well, that's stupid. Oh, who cares? Like, some of these things are, like, essential to... What's going on in the movie? Right, and they try to throw in Martian Manhunter, and they give you zero context for any of it. Unless you're, you are an existing fan, you don't get it. It's not like we'd seen Martian Manhunter in a movie before, and we could be like, oh, that's that one guy that keeps showing up. You like, remember in Winter Soldier, when you were like, who that is? Oh, that's Bucky? Now it makes sense because I saw the first movie. Look, 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 look. I don't recognize people when they change their hair. It ain't like Martian Manhunter changed his hair and I was like, who is that? Like, we'd literally never seen him before. Yeah, he is a brand new fucking character. It was- no, Jared Leto changed his hair, changed his face, but you knew it was Joker and you yeah. knew it was Jared Leto yeah. because we'd seen him before. He also had them butthole eating lips. Yeah, he had some big juicy lips and we don't know why. Jared Leto said it was an evolution of his character. Mm. How your character evol- evolved to use lipstick worse. I enjoyed the movie for what it was. There were some really great, fun action scenes. They explored the characters a lot more. Like we, I feel like we got next to nothing of Cyborg and Flash in the first movie. I mean, we didn't. And this one at least makes you care about them as a character. Like, you look at them and you're like, oh, I see why this character is motivated to do the things they're doing. Does it make sense that the Flash stole a hot dog from a from a cart no, no. in the middle of a big scene. They explained no. that. That was to help him get that dog walking job. I know, but I'm saying it's just like it feels so out of place. I think that they may tried to make it tonally give it jokes, but like the rest of the movie wasn't funny. This It was not a funny movie. They tried to give the Flash jokes, which is cool, except like nobody else thinks he's funny. No, and the jokes he's t- saying are like, hey, that's the bat symbol. That's you. Like, Well, his character just didn't fit in with the rest of the tone. Also, Aquaman is very different in this movie than he is in the next movie. That's a mistake, I think. Because Aquaman's a lot better character in his own movie. I agree. And you don't like that movie really either. I like Aquaman. I just don't like any of the other characters. You don't like the Aquaman movie. I think Aquaman is funny and I think Jason Momoa does an excellent job. I just think every other character in that movie was lame and stupid and I didn't like any of them. Mm -hmm. The villain was bad. Both villains were bad. I also don't like the music they chose. I don't like the colors. No, what, what did they what did they call it? Ancient chanting or something? Yeah, ancient lamentation singing. It's bad. 
Like, every single time. Wonder Woman comes on on screen, it's like, hi, I'll take a couple cup of coffee. Like, no. There's fucking no reason for this. Well, Stop it. Why are there only two colors on Steppenwolf's planet? There's brown and there's black, and that's it. Everything in the whole world is brown and black up there. Yeah. I oh, can't see it. That's another thing that I was going to say. Okay, you know how you're talking about steaks? Like, really, real steaks. You know how in all the Marvel movies, how, like, they destroy a city, or they bomb a bank, or there's just something that's like, oh, wow, people are dying. This is bad. Every single movie, or every single scene where, like, big destruction happens, it's... Who cares? No, there's no one around. It's just big, desolate areas. In what world are these all these buildings just completely desolate, isolated, away from people? They did do that a little bit better in the Whedon part, where, like... The Flash saves some family and stuff. Yeah, they're, like, kind of, like, in a house on the outskirts. That made more sense. But where are they supposed to be in this one? Like, when they go to hide their they big died. battle. <laughs> like, who... No, I mean, like, where is everyone? Like, where are, where are Superman and all them? Like, I don't know where they went. They flew somewhere. Yeah, but, like, there's no... There, there is no stakes because you're, like, literally, literally in the middle of nowhere. You know what would be helpful? Hmm. What if they put them them white captions on like they did in Aquaman. Remember how they were like everywhere? They were like Atlantis. Yeah. The desert. Like or, or, or like in a end game where it's like Vormir. Okay, now now we're in uh nineteen seventy four. I know like, I I know I do hate on it when they put it on every single one, but it would have been helpful occasionally. Like they just had occasionally. Like I didn't but you know, they also could have given the motherfuckers name tags because I didn't know who any of them people were. They were like, these are the villains. Which one is which? No, because, like, they use context clues a lot of the times. So, like, they'll say, oh, you're in Gotham. Why? Because there's a big fucking Gotham sign in the background. Okay, cool, well, cool. I just figured they were in Gotham 90% of the time. But how did... Unless they're in Themyscira or Atlantis. Right. And that's pretty obvious. Um, but, uh, how close is Superman City where he lived? Metropolis. Yeah, how close is that to Gotham? Well, he was buried in Smallville, I do believe. Which is about, in like... In Kansas. Yeah, it's like an hour... Or something outside of Metropolis, according to Smallville. <laughs> is it like a river, and on one side it's black and dark, and that's where Gotham is, and then on the other side there's sunshine, and that's where Metropolis is? Because that's the impression I got from the movie. No, yes. no, the evil, dirty, no-good people live in Gotham, and the rich, upright, happy people live in Metropolis. Alright, well, I, I'm done hating upon this movie for now. It's making me sad. No, I don't hate it. You, I do. It's because you didn't want to sit down for four hours. I still didn't. By the time there was anything I actually liked, I was so bored I didn't care. Like, there were scenes that were good scenes. And I can see what he was doing. And as a whole, the vision wasn't a bad idea. I just think there were a lot of poor choices. Like, you ever eat a meal and it's burnt, but there's still some, like, good pieces. And, like, those pieces are really good. But overall, your meal just sucks because it was burnt. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what this movie was. There were good pieces still, but most of it was burnt. Well, I think this review is kind of like a meal where you put way too much salt in it. And so every bite you taste is just salty. I'm salty about it. And then every once in a while, you're like, mmm, that's okay. And then, nope, salty. Just salty all the time. You know I like to put extra salt in everything Salty, salty, salty. If it ain't sugar, it's salt. Mm. That's the only two flavors. But what about, like, salted caramel? People put salt on their fruit. That's wrong. Yeah, my grandfather did that. Put it on watermelon and cantaloupe and stuff. That's, strawberries. You know, don't teach your children to do that. Because they already get enough sodium. 
You need to let them eat their fruit and be healthy. Overall, definitely mixed audiences on Justice League. I would not watch it again, but I will remember this viewing experience. Also, if you want to actually laugh and enjoy yourself, go listen to, to Leslie Jones from SNL talk about the Justice League Snyder Cut on her Twitter feed. Hashtag long ass movie. That's so, how I wish I'd watched it. Yeah, the first because time. she's she's doing her commentary on it, and the whole time she's just like, "Batman ain't got no superpowers. What are you even doing here?" And it's like, "Yes, thank you for saying this." She got the real opinion. She tells it how it is, and when she doesn't understand something, she's like, "This makes no fucking sense." And that was me. It was her. Like this was you the whole time. But Leslie Jones said sh- she enjoyed it. She enjoyed the movie. But she had a lot of questions and found it very fucking confusing. Leslie Jones just doesn't watch as many movies as I do. I got higher standards. All right, let's talk about a movie I actually liked. Uh, We went and saw... We did a double feature, so we're going to start with Chaos Walking. Mm -hmm. This movie is based on the book uh, The Knife of Letting Go. But I think, as I'm reading the second one, it did draw pieces from the other ones. But not a ton. Mostly the first book. Okay. It stars Tom Holland... And Daisy Ridley. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland plays a character named Todd. Okay. Um, and Daisy plays a character named Viola. Viola. Viola, I think. Whatever. Todd lives in a town called Prentice Town. Okay. On, like, it's like an alien planet because they left Earth a long yeah, time like, ago. Yeah, like, it's very Earth-like. And on this alien planet, there's something about the men and their thoughts that the atmosphere will pick up on their thoughts. Well, no, remember, like, there are no women in Todd's town, so... Yeah. It killed... No, yeah, the women are gone. The spackles killed all the women, supposedly. Right, but but the men, you can see their thoughts, and so it kind of eliminates, you know, lying and cheating. You know, if someone has an ulterior motive, it's people are, lot, know about it. It's a lot harder to hide it. The other two characters that are, like, main-ish characters are Mads Milkins. Milk and Sons? Sorry, my nose is all stuffy. <laughs> and he plays David Prentice. He, he was he was the one who was uh, Fresilius in Doctor Strange or whatever. Well, I was going to say he was he was Hannibal in Hannibal, but... That too. Um, He's been in some good shit. David Prentice is the mayor of the town. Mm-hmm. And then his son, David Prentice Jr., is played by Nick Jonas. Who... And, and you may know him because his wife is... I was thinking of Sophie Turner, but that's Joe Jonas. Yeah, his wife is Priyanka. She was in the Tom and Jerry movie we talked about earlier. Mm, that makes sense. He also has a couple famous brothers, mm, Joe yeah. and Kevin. Yeah. Kevin is obviously the most famous. Yes, he's the one that everyone loves. Anyway. Anyway, so Chaos Walking, uh, they're in this town and there's no women. There's a ship that crash lands near town and everyone dies except for Daisy Ridley's character, Viola. And so she's on the run, and they're like, a woman, right? And they're trying to capture her. Mayor Mayor Prentice is like, we're going to capture this whole ship while they're in stasis. So mm-hmm. we have to, you know, trick her to give us all this information. Because he's a prick. She, she luckily hears it, because he was talking to the main villain. Uh, Preacher. Preacher. They call him Aaron in the thing, don't, don't they? No, they call him Preacher in the movie, yeah. and Aaron in the book. And I didn't read the book, so it's Preacher. His name is Aaron Preacher, but it is what it is. And oddly enough, for a preacher, he's oddly religious. Like, it's like if your your last name was Baker and it's like, I love bread. Like, same shit. <laughs> I wonder if he changed his last name. Probably. Uh, yeah. Because he's played by David Oilowo? 
I'm going to Don't fucking... Don't... Mm. His name, David. But anyway, basically what happens is Todd is like kind of in with the mayor. He wants the mayor to like him. He doesn't care so much about his adopted dads, Cillian and Ben. And he tells the mayor about the girl and then this whole stuff goes on and Todd tries to save the girl and they like go on this like... And they kill a horse. That was so like jarring because <laughs> there are, are no horse deaths in the book and I was just not prepared because this horse like straight up like... No, like flies oh. off a cliff like Superman that hoe. And, and then it's like legs like snap. Yeah, it's like what good... The horse meat shouldn't that great, so you just gotta kind of put it out of its misery. And it's just laying on the ground crying, and Todd's like, "Gotta put it out of its misery." Yeah, but that's not the only animal death in this this book. Don't we, don't we talk about the dog? No. Okay. Dog deaths are sad, but they're even sadder when you can hear dog voices. And Brittany says that in the book, the dog talks all the time to the point of really annoying the shit out of Todd. And in the movie version, the dog doesn't do a lot of talking. In fact, it doesn't really say anything at all. Uh, I will say, I liked the movie a lot, and I don't always like book-to-movie translations. My only uh, real regret is that they change a little bit of the motive behind capturing the two, and they change the fact that the animals don't talk. Yeah. I wish that the dog talked because... It makes it so much sadder. In the books, do the, the horses talk? Yeah. So in this movie, the horses would have been like, Oh God, my legs! <laughs> it's a lot more simpler than that. Like, the animals don't... Like, the horses talk more than, like, the dogs. Like, the dogs say stuff like, Hungry, hungry, hungry. Like, gotta poo, gotta poo. Like, stuff like that. But Same, but go ahead. The horses say a little bit more advanced stuff. Like, they call... In the second book, Todd has a horse, and they he he calls him like Boy Colt and stuff like that. But like he doesn't, the horse doesn't talk a lot. Like mm. in the sheep, they pretty much are just like pretty stupid. They're just like sheep, 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 like all the time. God, I would murder some sheep. And in the book, Todd is a sheep farmer with Ben and Cillian. Right. Well, anyway, in the story, they're on the escape, and they've been told to go to a certain town. And when they get there, they find that women haven't gone fully extinct. In fact, this town is thriving with women. The, the, the mayor is a woman. And they come to discover that they, they live in a cult. They, Todd, Todd is from a cult they, where they killed all the women. Yeah, because the women didn't have the, the noise. And so they could get away with scheming against this really terrible mayor. And so they just slaughtered everybody. Yeah, it used to be called Elizabethtown. And Elizabeth was... Oh, I guess that's not in the movie, is it? No, it's not. Thank Sorry. you for the spoiler. It's not a spoiler. The mayor was a woman named Elizabeth. And okay. Then they killed everyone and renamed it Prentistown. Because mm. his name is David Prentice. <laughs> Shit, they're original. But yeah, and so they find out that they are trying to get away from some pretty strict dictator killers. They chase them down. Prentice and all of his people, Preacher, they chase them back down to try to uh, abduct them again. Yeah. And they end up narrowly escaping. Again. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of this is so that Daisy Ridley can go to, like, the mothership type thing. Like, the original... Colony. Like, the, the original fleet that landed had emergency, like, beacon tr communication system, and she needs to go and let her people know back on, on her normal space station mm -hmm. that, uh, things are bad. <laughs> Say out, save us. I won't spoil the ending, but it was 
if you have read the book, it is a lot different. And the ending of the first novel is very sad, like uber depressing. And the ending of this was uh, a much more hopeful ending. I don't. I would say it leaves room for a sequel, but it also could be closed off as a finished story as well. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I will say I really liked how they made like some of the thoughts and like the way that the way that Preacher's thoughts look is different than everyone else because he's very much like. Preacher's literally lost his mind. He's become fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. And, like, they made his thoughts very, like, red and angry and fiery. And I like that quite a bit. If they didn't kill him in this movie, he deserved to die. I wish they'd leaned a little harder into making other people's thoughts a little different. Because in the novel, the uh, Town thoughts are much different than the thoughts of most of the men in the other cities. Which I think is cool. And there were less boobs than I thought there would be. Why would there be any boobs? Everybody's thinking about boobs all the time. That's true. In the novel, they're always talk- thinking about naked ladies. And when Todd meets women for the first time, he's like, there's a lot less blonde ladies than the men of Prentice Town would have you believe. I'm just saying, like, it. they left that stuff out of the movie in order to make it more PG-13, I assume. Yeah, for sure. Because you can't be like... Ooh, sex! Like, all the time. Because a woman pops up after years with nobody. Like, many of the men are going to be, like, thinking very bad thoughts. For sure. And because she's supposed to be, like, a teenager. They're supposed to be... I think they're supposed to be around 16 or 17. In the movie, they they run, you know, maybe early 20s. Oh, in the book, they're, like, 14. I was thinking in the movie, they were supposed to be, like, 17. Oh. You think? Well, I because guess Todd's, I guess they're playing younger. Todd's not a man yet, remember? Yeah, but what about Viola? Like, is she? She might be a little older. She, yeah, because she's on this mission. You wouldn't put a minor into that sort of danger. You would think I that mean, she's at least competent enough to like handle her own. So we're assuming she's like nineteen and Todd's like seventeen. Yeah, that that that, that makes kinda, a lot of sense. That kind of plays well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but overall, what did you think of it? Was it? No, I did it do justice to what you were expecting. I liked it. Um... I think the only thing that I would change, other than making the animals talk, which I understand why they didn't, it would be really tricky, would be in the novel, they are very much after Todd and don't really care about Viola at all, Mm -hmm. because they want to corrupt Todd and make him kill. Because when they turn, uh, when they they become a man, they have to kill somebody, and that's how they become a man in Prentice Town. And in this, they just didn't really care that much about Todd at all. And they really more cared about Viola. And Mm -hmm. I kind of wish they'd kept that message a little bit more, the corruption message. But other than that, I was fairly happy. I felt like uh, they did the best with a tricky novel. It would be very tricky to put that exactly on screen, I think. I really liked the way they did, like, uh, the thoughts that could be, like, projected. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. You don't see something quite like that in the book, but I thought that was a really cool add-in. Right, and it wasn't something that detracted from the idea of projecting or seeing other people's thought. Yeah. It it adds to the idea. Because Todd does do a little bit of that, just not quite to the extreme that they do it in the movie, which Mm -hmm. I actually really liked it. That was one of the additions that I thought was was excellent. Well, coming coming at it from a non-reader perspective... I think it was a well-formed story. It had a lot of heart, a lot of bad people that you really hate by the end. Um, Who was the better villain, Preacher or the Mayor? Preacher had more of an immediate threat 
I felt like Preacher was scarier, like, in battle and stuff. But I thought Prentice definitely had a bigger presence. Mads be doing great villains. Yeah, his, he, he's a good villain guy. His villains are so complex and deep. And the mayor is a very complex character. Mm-hmm. Like, as the novels go on, like, he is so complex. And I do not think that they could have picked a better person to play him. Yeah, he, he did a really good job. If they continue the movie series, which I don't think they will, but if they did, I hope they bring him back because he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really like Nick Jonas in this. I thought he actually played the essence of, of Prentice Jr. really well. What a little prick. Yeah, I mean, Prentice Jr. is a prick, so... He played it well. He did a good job. Good job, fella. Alright, so the last movie, like I said, we saw a double feature... Um, was Raya and the Last Dragon, mm-hmm. which is a Disney film. I guess technically Chaos Walking was also a Disney film because they're now owned. That That's kind of a, a weird line to walk. Cause because it's a Fox movie, it, it was, right? It was produced by Fox and it was it's kind of been in the vault, so to speak. I like think, they've been waiting to release it for some time now. I think Disney said they like re-edited it and stuff, made it more watch and had to do reshoots because Fox, the Fox version was unwatchable. Well, this was watchable, right? So, I'm assuming that they... I know that they had to wait to release it because uh, Tom and Daisy's shoots with other movies didn't fit the reshoots that Disney wanted to do. big Disney franchises. Like, they are involved in Disney properties, for sure. Right. So, I, I guess it makes sense that even though this was a Fox film, they're banking on Tom and Daisy, like, even more, which is great. Like, go Disney. You did it. Like... I liked it. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, back to Riot. Yeah. So, it's an animated film. It's a world that kind of has magic, but it only focuses on a certain area of the world. And it definitely has some Asian influences, but it's not... it's supposed to be uh, Vietnamese. Yeah, it's, it's not directly, like, keyed into one particular Asian country like Mulan was. Like, so you look at it and you're like, okay, there's, there's a lot of very Asian-inspired themes, but there's nothing keying it to, like, Japan or something. Yeah, it's set in a, a mystery land uh, called Kumandra. Yeah. Kumandra has five basic areas. There's fang, spine, claw, tail, yeah, talon, and heart. Talon. I was damn close. Yeah, I'm just telling you. You can't be correcting well, me. Claw. Kumandra used to be all together, kind of like Pangea, but mm-hmm. then they separated after the dragons disappeared. And why did the dragons disappear? Well, basically, there were these evil, what were they called? Those spirit things. And the, they're, they're soul suckers, essentially. They're like these black, shadowy things. Mm-hmm. And they'll come through. If it touches you, it turns you into a statue of yourself. They're called Droon. Droon? And I like shadow things better. Shadow things? Shadow things. And yeah, you turn into a stone statue, mm-hmm. and all of the dragons sacrifice themselves fighting them, and the last dragon, Sisu, basically gave them this dragon gem, and it protects the entire world and rid them of the, the Droon. Right, and Hart actually has possession of this dragon stone, and the other four feel that this is an unfair advantage because it brings them prosperity. There's no evidence, really, that the stone is bringing heart prosperity over the other four, but because the others aren't doing so well, that is the, the, what they infer from it, and so they're always trying to steal the stone. Raya's dad, Chief Benja... Yeah, he's a good guy. He wants to bring everyone together and have Kumandra again. Mm-hmm. So he brings all the clans together, and Raya meets this girl from Fang. Um, when she's an adult, she's played by Gemma, Gemma Chan... 
and her name is Namari. Yeah. And Jimmy Chan's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, she is. She's doing really good. Yeah. She's talented. Mm-hmm. And then Raya is played by Kelly Marie Tran. Who was also in Star Wars. Who got too much hate. Screw you guys. Kelly's amazing. Mm-hmm. And Raya and uh, Numari hit it off. Numari comes in and tricks Raya into wanting to take the, the dragon stone. You know, they get it, but in the struggle to try to get the stone, they end up accidentally breaking it into five pieces, which was very convenient because there are five different lands. And because it's not intact, the uh, the shadow things... The dune. The, the dune. They I come and they start they start stone freezing people again, like they do. Everything goes into disarray for like six years. It yeah. all goes to hell. Raya's dad, Chief Benja, gets turned into stone. Yeah. And so Raya grows up. And she rides her friend Tuk-Tuk, which is like a armadillo guinea pig thing. I don't know. It's like a pug meets an armadillo <laughs> meets a... Fu- it's giant, too. Yeah. Like an elephant. Okay. So, it's a mythical creature, and it's really cool. They go and find the last dragon at the end of the very tail of the dragon that makes up Kumandra. Like, if you look at it on a map, it looks like a dragon, and there's a river flowing through it. It's very unique-looking. And Sisu is rumored to be at the end of the, of the river. very last tale, and there's of, a lot of different but, ones. But they don't know which river as she's at the end of, so they have to go to every one. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the very, very last one that they haven't checked, and Sisu's there, and she's a water dragon, which is cool, but she's kind of uh, she's not as great and powerful as they thought. She's, she's played by Aquafina, which is beautifully awkward, very fun. And Sisu, and she's like, ah, you know. That person that, like, helps on the group project, but everyone else really did all the work, well, and I just turned it in. Like, basically, that's what she said. Yeah, her contribution was making sure that the stone was formed. And that's it. And so they have to collect all the pieces, because Sisu thinks that if she collects all the pieces, then they can, she can join it together with her dragon magic. Right, and so the whole story is essentially them going to each of the individual places, like Tail and... Talon and all these places to try to bring together the pieces and in each area they come across new people that guard it or uh, inhabit it and it's just a really fun story about adventure and they end up trying to get to Fang. Right, Fang is the last one at the end. Yeah, that's where Namari is from and her mom is kind of a bitch, like for real, like she's the one pulling the strings trying to make sure that they get the biggest and best of the uh, shards. And I wanted right? Mari and Raya to kiss so bad when we were in the theater. I was just like, they're going to kiss, right? And then, I, <laughs> and then we're like, no, this is Disney. We can't have gay relationships maybe, in Disney. Maybe in the sequel. Maybe. I hope so. Hmm. Because I just, the tension there between the two. There was some serious two, tension. Like it, well, and I understand why they wouldn't have explored that previously because they hated each other. Yeah. Because they blamed each other for everything that happened. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of character growth. And trust and love. It's it, a beautiful movie. It's wrapped in like betrayal. It's a really enjoyable and beautiful movie. It's really the movie is all about learning to trust in one another and how trusting and working together can bring you together mm-hmm. and make something better. And like, yes, there are jokes. There's no music. It's not a musical, mm-hmm. right? But there is a great soundtrack in the background. Like, it's not a singing 
movie, but there is a lot of good music in there. And, like, there's some other cast members that are really great. Like, Daniel Day Kim is in it. Oh, no, the whole cast is Asian, Sa- except for <laughs> Alan Tudyk. He plays Tuk Tuk, which is hilarious. Sandra O's in this movie. I think she's the mom. Are we just going to talk about uh, how Alan Tudyk is, like, the funniest motherfucker? Like, like, we have to talk about him in Resident Alien. And the stream mini In the stream again. mini when it comes over. Alan Tudyk. He does so many voices. He does. In case you didn't know, I think we talked about this last time, too. How he plays a bunch of different, like, random little characters. He was tuk-tuk in this, and he is in Frozen as Wesselton. Mm-hmm. And he's in Moana. Like, he's in Wreck-It Ralph. He's in so many things. We, we did discuss this last time. And I, I don't care. He's my favorite. I love that they had an entirely Asian cast except for the weird creature, and that was Alan Tudyk. Because I just think that making those creature noises is kind of like a thing that not every actor can do. Mm-hmm. And he's known for it in a lot of movies that have diverse casts, like Moana. So you should definitely get someone that can do the proper noises. Because there's nothing worse than having some creature that's like amazing and cool and then it just sounds like a human. No, so. and, and you get people for the part. Like Michael Winslow is a great example from Police Academy, right? If you want somebody who can do a lot of sound effects and things like that or someone who can beatbox, you go to who does it best. It doesn't really matter what the race of the character is. Right, because... Alan Tudyk wasn't playing an Asian character. Right, they didn't. They didn't give him yellow face. They didn't pull a uh, a Breakfast at Tiffany's situation with Alan Tudyk in this. It's, it's just a, a creature. It's animated. Y'all can chill out. But I am very happy that they cast an entirely Asian cast, and the casting that they picked so are great. amazing. Oh, All of those it. actors are amazing. I love Aquafina. No, and you like, were sitting there like. I recognize that voice. I know that is the mom from Fresh Off the Boat. I did. And sure enough, it is. And uh, side characters, right? We have to talk about the side characters. Like, in addition to Raya, Sisu, and what's-her-face. Yeah, that's the one. We have the baby and the three monkeys. We have the kid on the, on the uh, fishing, fishing boat. boat. And we have the, uh, the warrior from, I think, Spine. And an old lady. She's not in it very much. She, no. She is taken over, and she's basically become like the ruler of this little section of land and she'll like kick you out if you don't give her what she wants. Right. They all have just the most tragic backstories. Like Yeah. And the, no and it was all taken away because of the the blight that the, these creatures caused. The drones have turned both sets of parents for the two kids into stone. The took other took away the whole family of the big warrior guy. Yeah. He, his whole village. His everybody. whole village except for him. He's gone. So how depressing is that? Can you imagine living by yourself and just having to walk by your stone family? The only ones that were really unscathed was Fang, and that's because there's something about the Droon that they can't cross water. They're afraid of it. Right, and so their whole area is an island. It's surrounded by water, so they can't get over, and it really works for them. End of the movie, we find out it's not as easy as just keeping them out with a a dam or a... a river. Moat. It's a moat. And they're not doing so great because they need more room. And, I mean, essentially that's where everyone is. And there's, like, big battle scenes and beautiful landscapes. And Sisu has, like, the most beautiful magic you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, because even though her power is that she's a good swimmer. She says, I'm a good swimmer. Like a really good swimmer. But as they find more of these uh, shards from the Dragonstone, they give her the powers of the dragons, her brothers and sisters, 
that created it. So she can control the like the storm, or she can glow. She can shape shift. Like there's interesting things that she's able to do. Well, initially, her and Raya are hiding the fact that she's a dragon from the others. Mm-hmm. And so she shape shifts into kind of a, a Aquafina-looking character. It's like they went to Six Flags and they got a caricature done and they drew it up of Aquafina and then they were like. Yes. And, and then, then they used that as the template for the character and then of they Sisu. Added the colorful hair and whatnot. Right. I mean, I liked this movie a lot. It was probably the, my favorite one this month. Really? Yeah. I mean, they were all pretty good, but I mean, Justice League, you know. Robert Charles. <laughs> what? You really like Justice League better than no, Ryan? No, of course not. Sorry. If I was to pick one movie this month that I would watch again, I'd probably watch Raya again. But second to that would be Spree. It was just a really fun, Spree interesting movie. Spree was really fun. Overall, I'd say it was a pretty good pretty good month. Justice League took far too long, though. And we will, like I said, we will just be discussing that later on with the Comic Crusaders. Keep an eye out on the Twitter. I think it's going to be live. I'm not sure. But I'm sure we'll save it if you're not able to listen live on a Sunday. Well, that's what we got for you guys today. Follow us on all forms of social media. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all Real Romance, at Real Romance UCPN on Twitter, of course. And then Real Romance at pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow us individually, Brittany's at BookNerd528 on Insta. I'm at BamfingBob on Twitter. And if you want all sort of geeky pop culture stuff, uh, mainly comics, obviously, we have Comic Crusaders and the Undercover Case Podcast Network, both of which I'm very grateful for, for supporting us and giving us all the content that we're able to talk about. And again, I hope we sounded okay as I'm very sick. We, You're not the only one. I, I still don't feel great. It's been a rough few days. We had to pause recording for a little bit so yeah, that we could get a little bit better. It's rough, but at the same time, at least it's not COVID. But that's all we got for today, folks. So please make sure that you follow us everywhere, share us, uh, comment, reach out. We love you. If you're not able to listen to the Justice League thing, make sure you tune in for our next episode, which will be the stream mini covering everything that we streamed and watched in uh, serial television type shows uh, over the past month. So until then, keep listening, keep watching, and above all else, keep it real. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Romance Season 3. Remember to follow us on all of our social media accounts and our affiliates at Undercover Capes Podcast Network and Comic Crusaders. 